Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast Retro Life for You. My name is Chris Adams, host of the show. Sitting in with us as always, Mr. Travis Rollins. What up, what up, what up? What's going on, man? Uh, same old, same old, man. How are you? I'm pretty decent. Pretty decent. Uh, as of recording today, this is Super Bowl Sunday, and mm-hmm. uh, we have just got done watching probably the best Super Bowl I've seen in a while. I didn't really have a, uh, a dog in the race, so I didn't care who won. But um, it was a pretty good, pretty good game. I, I have not watched one in a long time. This is the second game all time gone to overtime for for um, Super Bowl, from what I heard earlier. So it was very, it was very interesting. Heck yeah! So it's the second game that went into overtime, and the first one you've watched in a while. One plus two, 13. equals no, 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 no. Oh, one and two. Yeah, it's three. It, it, no, no, it was three, but one and two together is only twelve. So we're still missing that one number. Oh, we can find it really easily. It's the first time we've done a podcast right after a Super Bowl. Oh, plus that one makes 13. <laughs> there you go. We can find it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not, boy. We'll, we'll spend the entire podcast talking about numbers if we do this. Let's not do this. Right. It's crazy. And uh, this week we got a, uh, a, a fun movie, actually. I, I love this movie when it came out. I've seen it quite a few times since then. And uh, we were talking about wanting to do something kind of like a serious kind of movie. But at the same time, I guess not too serious right now. So we we were like, Robin Williams has to be the way to go, right? Because he's got so many you know good movies out there that's got some some seriousness to it. But yet he's hilarious. So, right. And that's why, you know, after revisiting the, the thoughts of, his filmography too. It's, it's almost like I can't, it's almost like it's weird to me too, to, to be like, you know, um, like maybe when, you know, Bicentennial man or, or something, you know, one of the ones like maybe one hour photo or something where we go, wow, I didn't know Robin could really act that way. But then he's done, he's put drama in everything. Really. He's, he's shown his acting chops as far as, you know, the sadness that he felt over his kids and uh, Miss Doubtfire. And when you go back to any of it, you can take any one of his movies and see he can pull out the emotion for sure. I'm going to challenge you on that one. I'm going to stop saying that uh, we can, it's strange or we don't think of him as that good of an actor or whatever, you know. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to throw the red flag down. I'm going to challenge you on that thing. You can challenge me on that play. Popeye. Yeah, you didn't see how you didn't see how upset he got over olive oil. <laughs> That's not a drama. Oh my god! I ain't saying it's a drama. I'm just saying, like, what what I'm saying though is like, you know, it, it's like all of his every movie he's done has had some kind of deeper meaning or message to it. There's been there's been like a GI Joe thing there. You know what I mean? Like, there's been a message within the within the movie, and right. then at the same time, you know, he's pulled out his capabilities of, of showing his range of emotion. And for those of you who don't get the GI Joe reference, he's talking about the end of the cartoon. There was always the lesson of the day, like in the cartoons we watched back in that time, he man, GI Joe, most of the end of it would come on with, this was your lesson of the day, you know, Mm -hmm. that you learned from this episode. And then Robin Williams does do that. Well, Uh, patch Adams is another movie. Uh, kind of got some seriousness to it, but he's he's funny as a doctor to the patients and everything, you know. And phenomenal movie too, you know. And that also uh, a movie that another movie that was also based on a real person. Mm-hmm. And a real person we're going for this week is Adrian Cronauer. Adrian uh, Cronauer. So this is a uh, Good Morning Vietnam. For those of you who don't who haven't picked up on it by now, Good Morning Vietnam is what we're doing. And this is one of my one of my favorite Robin Williams movies, actually. Absolutely. How could it not be at our age? I mean, and it's not like it's his funniest bit either that he's did. It's not his funniest stuff that he's done, but it's still funny. And it's got a yeah. good story. To, I mean, granted, it is based on somebody. And they said that uh, the uh, Adrian Cronauer himself had said that the, the portrayal in the movie is about 45% accurate. Uh, right of, of what went on and everything. Well, right. they said I had read. I had. I was watching an interview with Adrian, the real Adrian Cronauer, earlier, and he said that Robin had bought the rights to the movie and then basically changed the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote. He uh, Adrian Cronauer wrote the first draft, but he never re- met Robin until after the movie. He met Robin at at the uh, premiere, I do believe. Yeah. 
Well, I'm, I'm not going to argue with his take of the movie that he did. It was good. It was interesting. And uh, the drama came in and out throughout the film. Um, not too overdramatic. You know, I mean, not, not like a traditional drama where it's all touchy-feely and, you know, all Yeah, no, it was and, just, it was dealing with what was going on at the time, you know, kind of showing what was, showing the, I, I guess maybe kind of showing the, the side of, of war or especially that uh, police action uh, conflict, whatever you want to call it, showing that it, it was showing how the government was suppressing information. Uh, mm-hmm. It low key was showing a lot of things that were going on right. and uh, you know, how, how the regular person, the civilians there, you know, it, it, when, when uh, Jimmy's bar exploded, you know, it's like this happened. There's real people getting hurt. It's not just a war out here in the damn fields. It's right here in downtown. You know, right, right, and and that's and that's kind of because uh, some of the people local living there didn't want us being there. Obviously, I mean, and then you have people who were soldiers there that would mistake the locals for the enemy, or they would just see them as the enemy too. Yeah, They're, I mean that happens. That, that happens all the time too. You know, I mean it's like uh, at my age, you know, coming up, my dad's generation and before uh, were they fought in the Vietnam war. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people that I was around coming up were extremely, uh, prejudiced. I guess you'd say not as, not exactly racist, but prejudiced against Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it's give, just to give a quick run through real quick, what the movie's about, uh, in 1965, an unorthodox and irreverent DJ named, Adrian Cronauer begins to shake up things when he is assigned to the U S armed services radio station in Vietnam. Basically they had, I guess the way they portrayed it, uh, the morale, I guess for the men might've been not the greatest. They're being sent to a foreign land. They're in war. Uh, the, you know, I'm sure their nerves are shot. They're wondering what's coming up. What's going to happen. What's going to happen to me. Will I see my family again. all these things run through your mind when you're in situations like this. And, that they bring him over, I guess, to kind of lighten the mood a little bit and to bring some, I don't know, Travis, how would you describe it? To bring some, not happiness technically, but to bring some. Well, I, thought, I would say it's like you said, just lighten the mood, just bring a, bring a little bit of, of escape from yeah. the reality of what was going on over there. Um, in real life, Adrian Cronauer transferred over there because he wanted to travel. But in the movie, uh, the general, I was like one star, two star general, uh, he saw or heard him and thought he was hilarious and brought him over. And yeah, that's, that's what he wanted. He wanted, you know, the guys to boost morale uh, because yeah, uh, not just all the things that you mentioned, but I mean, people were dying left and right. I mean, your life expectancy when you hit the ground on the battlefield out there was something like 12 seconds. Not very good in your favor. No. At all. Um, We had a great cast for it. Uh, Robin Williams was the main lead. Obviously we've said this already. Adrian Cronauer. Forrest Whitaker played Edward Garlic. Garlic. Um, what a name. What a last name, man. Right. You'd think for a soldier he'd be well seasoned, right? Yeah, that's right. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. Um, that's right. Uh, Robert Wool. Uh, is that how you pronounce his last name? Wool or Wool or W U H L? Robert Wool. Is it Wool? Uh, yeah, he- I would say it's Wool. He I, I wasn't more of a wall. Yeah. He is somebody he's, I've seen in many things in the past. He's Arliss, man. He's Arliss. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I've seen him in many things. And he's a lot of the things I've seen him in, he's been supporting, not the main guy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's entertaining, though. He's kind of funny on his own, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, Noble Willingham played the general you were talking about. Um, Mm-hmm. More recently, people may remember him as CD in the TV show Walker, Texas Ranger, the man that owned the bar, the former Texas Ranger that uh, hey. owned the bar that you see him on there. I didn't uh, watch much Texas Ranger. You didn't. You missed like a thousand roundhouse kicks in, man. What were you doing? I didn't do too much Walker. I can't believe you, man. I cannot. I. You know what? I'm Your assignment this week is to go through and binge watch all the seasons, all the episodes. And tell me how many roundhouse kicks you missed during that time. Oh yeah, that's not that's not happening. I'm gonna tell you. You may tell you why because my ex mother in law used to watch. She's passed now. She's been gone for quite a few years, but uh, 
she used to watch it religiously. Uh-huh. I mean, and, and it was like, you know, Will of Fortune age, you know what I'm saying? So she'd be sitting there, have the TV cut down, like all the, she wasn't one to leave dishes in the sink. You know what I mean? She's like, the, the kitchen had to be clean after supper. Yeah. So that, um, the kitchen, whatever night it was, I don't remember, but the kitchen get cleaned up. And then like, we'd be in there maybe sitting at the table or something still. And you could hear her in there singing the song, man. The eyes of the ranger. <laughs> she was singing the song. I'm like, oh my God. One of the only few of the shows out there that had the star of the show singing their their, their theme song. Mm-mm-mm. Terrible. Wasn't always him singing it, though. It was uh, somebody else did it for a while, too, I believe. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you missed all them roundhouses. I'm going to expect to hear from you a number of roundhouses for the week's over with. So I'll just put that out there. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. We you shall report. A, you don't need a number because, I mean, it's Chuck Norris, man. One roundhouse lasts the entire season. True, it takes him the whole season to roundhouse in one, you know, one time, and he gets like 500 people with the one kick. Yeah, and then when he's done, the breeze off of it knocks down 500 more behind him. That's what I'm saying. That one roundhouse kick I had to do is just edit pieces of it for the rest of the entire show. He's awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I, I told you before, I, I met Chuck Norris in Nashville at a, at a Comic Con. Yes, a really nice guy, really nice guy. Um, so we got JT Walsh played Sergeant Major Dickerson, and he was mm-hmm. a very major first half of his name most of the movie. Yeah, not uh, much. I would say all of it, <laughs> all of the movie. Uh, uh, I also remember him from A Few Good Men playing yeah. the role of the guy who would who would end up killing himself. He didn't go to court to testify. He's mm-hmm. the one they had in protective custody that took his own life, where he wouldn't have yeah. to go up against the general um during that that's the main thing i remember him from uh we can check a few things here in a minute but bruno kirby also I remember played... him from a bunch of stuff do I, you really I, yeah yeah i know I mean, that dude but well I know you gotta think you right yeah 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 exactly i, I mean i like i wouldn't know i didn't know his name but i've seen i remember him from quite a few things because you gotta think too like i watched this uh, probably eight, nine, ten. I would say ten to eleven years old when I yeah. watched this and fell in love with it. And then, like every so, everything I would have seen anybody from this movie in, especially a character like that, a, a main character, I would have noticed them. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember him from uh, Sling Blade. Yep, mm-hmm. he's in that movie. I remember him. I remember from Sling Blade and Breakdown, and he played a senator in something that I was watching. I don't remember what that was. Huh? It was a good movie, though. Good show. In, looks like he was in The Negotiator. He was in some good stuff, yeah. He's- oh, now he was in the TV series Dark Skies. I remember that show. What was that? That was Alien Invasions, wasn't it? Uh, is, that the, is that what it was, or was it? Okay, now I got to know. No, it was that. That was not the alien invasion one. That was the one that came on TNT. That was something else with the word skies in the title. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Nope. In 1960s America, a young couple struggled to expose the truth about a hidden alien invasion. I thought so. Okay, yeah. While secret government organization opposed on agenda, but it's not just. It's still not the same one I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the one with Noah Wiley in it. Oh. That was on TNT. That's what I was thinking of. Different, uh-huh. different thing altogether. Breakdown was a good movie, though. I didn't remember him in that at all. I guess he's one of the one of the truckers, wasn't he? Yeah. So, but yeah, he's been in quite a few things. Um, oh, the senator. He was. The uh, he was Big decision. Bob. He was Big Bob in Pleasantville too, because he was the one that's like, "Thank God we're in a bowling alley." I yeah. don't know if you've seen Pleasantville. I like Pleasantville. It's a good one. Not all the way through. I haven't. No, but I do know. I have seen some of it. And the senator, the movie he was a senator was executive decision. Bruto Kirby, Lieutenant Stephen Hawk. Uh, he's the one who swore up and down in his heart of hearts that he was funny. And he, he was really funny, was man. And he was funny in City Slickers. In City Slickers, maybe, but not in this movie. <laughs> I felt bad for him. Because he's like, I know. He was a little he was a little D-bag in there, too, though. He was. He was he like, was. Uh, he was, what's his name? Right-hand man. And that's probably why he was such one. Um. He was in Donnie Brasco. Yeah, man. He was in a bunch of stuff, man. He was in a, he was Swifty from Basketball Diaries. 
Uh, he was in that movie Sleepers, which is real, real good. If anybody hasn't seen it, that's an old uh, gangster movie, I do believe. And uh, you, don't, you don't remember Sleepers? Yes. Huh. I was just repeating you. I said gangster. Yeah, a little gangster movie. He was Mr. Stout as in Stuart Little. But now, you know, I know him from. Look, look, I'm looking at something right now. He must have been funny at some point in time. He was a nightclub comic uncredited in Hoffa. Well, there you go. There you of course, go. he may not have been funny. He may be buried with Hoffa for all we know. Right. Oh, my gosh. You like the uh, the whole uh, Godfather type feel and everything, don't you? He was in The Freshman. Yeah, I don't I don't remember The Freshman. I remember no. Donnie Brasco, Sleepers, Basketball Diaries. Uh, I know he's a voice of Stuart Little because we was talking about top, we, I think we were talking about City Slickers when we I remember it from I remember it for this guy from a conversation we were talking about him being on Stuart Little. Yeah. Well, that's really pretty much the only stuff I remember remembering from. Well, before Good Morning Vietnam, he was a person that just bounced around in television episodes for the most part, it looks like. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess his first real movie break would have been Good Morning Vietnam. That was right. at least at least one that was noticeable. Because he's who was yeah. other movies like Ten Men, which I never heard of before. Well, I don't know. This is, this is Spinal Tap. He was in that. That's a notable movie. People know. Oh my! It. So I mean, you want to give him that, I guess. But uh, to the whole point being, we've had a pretty solid cast here, though. Um, yeah. To go off of, and I, a lot of people today wouldn't understand nothing about the Vietnam War conflict. And we barely know what, uh, you know, about it ourselves. It was when we were, what's well, when I was very little, when I was born, it was about ending, I think. Cause it yeah. was over about 72, 73 or 71, 72, somewhere in there. Right. Something like that. Something like that. I'm born in 73. You wouldn't even have thought yet, Mm-mm. you know? So, I mean, there's not a whole lot other than what they taught us in school. And they didn't really teach us a lot in school where I was about the Vietnam conflict really. Just talked about it being a war, of course. One of the wars we went to, we didn't do very well in it. We lost a lot of people in it. It was really pretty much, they said, a a dumb war. So something that I've learned from my neighbors being living clear across the country from California uh, really blows my mind how regional our, our, the history that's taught in our school systems are. They said that, so for us, we learn about the civil war our entire career school career i guess you'd call it like i don't, get, I don't care what gate grade you in you learning about the civil rights movement and you learning about the civil war i guarantee you that especially or at least in south carolina you do it's like every single year and it's all year long it ain't no little bit like we learned that's what we learned right well, she said they said that out in california uh the the civil war is like a it, it's just basically a, 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 a chapter in the book. Basically, it's you know south bad, north good, boom over with. And they learn all about the Alamo and the the North Mexico trade or the Mexican trade deal or whatever this is. So they learn all about they learn all this craziness about Dagum Mexico and how they were fighting with the Mexicans and and then uh, some of the Native American stuff that went on and is it's just blows my mind so yeah but vietnam we weren't we learned some of world war ii and then the civil war and then anything else they kind of i I don't know i can't even remember hearing about the vietnam war or conflict in school i learned everything that i learned there from uh the men that i grew up around and movies that i watched and and you know studying that i did on my own the, the biggest thing I think is the people we grew up around because a lot of the people that we would have grown up around family members and family friends of the family may have been people who were in that war. I had an uncle our who parents, was in the war. For sure. Our parents, yeah. our parents and uncles and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had, I had one uncle. He's, he's not living any longer. Um, he has been, uh, passed away for quite a while actually, but he was a, a gunner on the side of a helicopter in Vietnam war. And yeah. he didn't, he did not like talking about it at all because it it's it brings back such you know terrible memories and everything it's it makes you a person you don't want to be they would say you know like like they would tell the gunner basically that's where you shoot point aim and shoot doesn't matter who's down there you just you shoot so you yeah. don't know who all you're killing but he he would say sometimes like he he would remember like it's it was a mixture 
of what was down there. You may have seen civilians down there caught up in the fray, mm-hmm. but you're to follow orders. You're to shoot, you know, and to help get your people out of there and everything and such. So it's war in general is terrible. I mean, we're not yeah. limiting this to just Vietnam. Don't oh, get me 100%, wrong. hundred percent. Yeah. My dad was, a, my dad was a uh, green beret and on his, on his uh, team, he was the comms specialist. So he did a work with all the radio stuff. It's funny to me how that's changed over over the course of history too, because you know the the Green Berets. That was when they wrote the book, the Green Berets, and then you had Chuck Norris with the missing in action stuff. He was Delta Force and then missing in action and all this stuff. And Delta Force is just a. I believe Delta Force is the the. Uh, uh shoot, help me out here. The ones that fly the planes. What branch is that? The Air Force. Air Force. So you know you got. You got two different kinds. You get you in in the army. You've got the eighty second airborne, or you got the airborne rangers, and then you've got special forces, and that's what it, it, the Green Berets. And it's funny to me how over time that you know back then they were the Green Berets, the Green Berets, and now it's like that's just a hat. We're Army Special Forces. So when you call someone now a Green Beret, they're like Army Special Forces. The Green Ber- the, hat, the Green Beret is just a hat we wear. So it's like it. I don't know if there's a stigma that's went behind it or what because of the way it's been dramatized and all. But it's funny to me. They all serve different purposes. You know what I'm saying? So like your, your Navy oh, SEALs, that's you've got Navy SEALs, of course, Navy. You've got right. you've got uh, Marine Recon. So Marine Recon, the, the Recon service, uh, branch. Then you've got Special Forces or Green Berets, and then you've got Delta Force. And not every single one of those are the same unit within a different branch. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're the specialty task force. Right. Exactly. Um, and of course they make all kinds of great movies based on all of them. Right. A hundred percent. This movie budgeted at $13 million estimated. You know what it made worldwide? Uh, worldwide. Yeah. I believe it was 123 million, 922 thousand three hundred and seventy dollars you know that's amazing you hit it right on the number i was just it's kidding. almost it's almost like you're looking at what i am it might it might be <laughs> isn't it funny isn't it funny that it this that the budget was thirteen thousand oh, on the oh. movie that we're no 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 13 billion 13 i'm sorry 13 million but the number on the, on the day of that we're reviewing on the day of the uh super bowl Hey, that's 13, 13. You know what? That reminds me of that joke about 13. <laughs> yeah. Dare I tell you while we're doing the podcast? Why I mean, not? Have you Let's heard the joke before? It. Have you heard this joke? before? Probably. Probably. There's this man walking up and down this sidewalk and he keeps hearing this noise in the background going 12, 12, 12. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what is this idiot yelling 12 for? What's going on? So he's, He's trying to figure out what's happening. So he walks down the sidewalk again and he hears it in the background. 12, 12, 12. And he's like, I got to find out what this is about. So he starts looking around the fence. And he sees this knot hole in the fence where he can peek through there. So he kind of squats over and looks in there and someone pokes him in the eye and he jumps back and all of a sudden he hears 13, 13. <laughs> I like it. Oh my god, people are turning us off right now as we speak. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry. Don't turn us off. Don't turn don't don't turn us off. Oh my god. Um, where was I at here with this? I was going somewhere with this. I know I was before you started about 13 again. Darn I don't know. Um, this- when was the of course it's the usual way we go? When's the first time you've seen this movie? Uh I think. The first time I remember seeing it, I'll say the first time I recall seeing it was we were living in Aiken and I was watching it with one of those two guys that I saw about kind of raised me, which happened to be an 82nd Airborne and was crazy as hell. And Robin Williams movies were some of his favorite. He actually introduced me to uh, Dead Poet Society as well. And um, I would say it would be it would have been 1991. I'm pretty sure it was the year before we moved back from Aiken. And I that was 1992. So it, it, I would have been 11 years old. And fell in love, and that was the same. I watched uh, Dead Poet Society the same year, and it's it has remained one of my favorite Robin Williams movies because it was it's um, Dead Poet Society. So this movie is really cool, and it kept 
I thought Jimmy Wong was just hilarious. He's like, Bobby, Bobby, best B yeah. no, you know, uh, anything under the water burning photo. Yeah, the water burning photo. It's not looking good, Jimmy. He looked yeah. good to me. <laughs> <laughs> he was so funny, man. For my dehyde. So yeah, I remember Billy, that was funny too, because Billy told me too. I was like, what is he talking about? Because he was like, when he tried to, when Adrian tried to drink it and he like we spit it out, he's like, What's the matter? He goes, Formadehyde. We put just a touch of formadehyde for flavor. That formaldehyde. I'm like, what is yeah. that? <laughs> That's what they it's embalming fluid. <laughs> I, I that it was a rental for me. I didn't go to the theaters and watch it. It, it was a, it was a movie rental for me one weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you go to the mom and pop shops where you do your rentals at at that time and because I, I lived in a smaller town. I didn't live in, in, in uh, Nashville or anything like that. Right. So I think it like happened to be coming on HBO or something, and he was like, hey, come here. That's a good movie. Watch it with me. I, I, you know, if I had HBO at the time, that would have been great, too, but we didn't get HBO or anything because yeah. my mom was like, we're not paying for that. Yeah, that was the one time in my childhood we had it when we lived in Aiken. I was like, you could rent a movie on the weekend. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was a movie rental for me for sure. Um, to kind of – Go into it a little. Just a. I, I don't want to get to the end of the movie just yet, where it changes from comedy to drama. But how well do you feel this movie makes that transition for you? I mean, when you're watching it, you're getting cracked up at Robin Williams the way he's acting. He's doing his little bits on the radio for the the troops listening. He's doing the different voices. He'll throw out a little Gomer pile. He'll throw out a little, you know, yeah. uh, what surprise, you know, the, surprise. Exactly. Walter Cronkite did the Walker Cron- since I was a kid. The Walter Cronkite was the one that did it for me. He's like, basically, it's hotter than a snake's ass in a wagon. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh my! It's, the weather forecast is hot and shitty with continued hot and shitty. Like, <laughs> I'm, old enough to, I'm barely old enough to remember Walter Cronkite. You know what I'm saying? Well, like that was abs- That was the one. That that and uh, what was it? J T. Roosevelt. It's so, it's so hot. The hottest thing I hear between my legs, man. I got, my shorts are so hot I can cook things and I'm doing a little crotch pot cooking. Yeah, crotch pot cooking. <laughs> he said, this he movie. said, hey, he said, hey, Roosevelt, you got a weather report for? Hey, man, I told you don't ever talk to me right now. I got a lady right now, man. Open the damn window, man. <laughs> this this movie is full of just one little, just, just just quick little tidbits of humor. I mean, he hits you hard. He hits you fast with the humor and it's 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 great it's like and i love the fact too like when he came in to the beginning of it and everybody's like hey say something funny you yeah. know what i mean it's like hey be funny be funny and he's just all kind of real reserved and quiet and as soon as he hits the airwave good morning bit. like it, it just in non-stop just rapid fire robin williams fashion you know how many times after this movie had come out did you hear people yelling good morning vietnam just like he did from that movie it was like oh man yeah like us coming up, our, our generation, everybody, everybody knew this movie. Like, I don't even know when did when did it come out? It came out in eighty eight, so nineteen ninety one was the first time I saw it. So eighty seven. Eighty seven. Nineteen eighty seven. Yes, I wouldn't even noticed it when I, I was seven years old, so I wasn't really into Dude, I was a freshman in high school in eighty seven. That's why Yeah. I, that's why it's I said it was a riddle for me. That's how I ha- that's how I keep my memories of these movies of how or you know when I saw it, because like I was born in July mm-hmm. of 1980. So pretty much whatever year it came out in, I can follow back to where I was living, you know, cause we moved around so much. So however old I was, you know what I mean? <laughs> and you know, mo- you know, during this time frame, movies about war were, were very popular, whether it be about uh, the, the, the different movies you and I discussed last week off air, the different movies that were about Vietnam or, yeah. You know, even some other, they're like named after certain parts of Vietnam that, that people have been in, like Siege of Firebase Gloria or Hamburger Hill or mm-hmm, 100%. I think this was a case perfect timing for this movie, too, because, you know, all that stuff surrounding it and it had done it had had enough time to be able it, it this movie doesn't poke fun at the war in any way. But right. I just I think that it's a real good addition to how after all of the seriousness that we had coming, even Rambo, dude, Rambo, he was, he, John was a special force. He's an ex green beret to come back from Nam and went crazy. You know what I mean? Or supposedly went crazy. So, I mean, all of this stuff that we had going on, uh, I really felt like that the lighthearted thing, the lighthearted side of it, uh, even though it's not so lighthearted with the bombings and the, the betrayal by, 
uh, what's his name? The the kid, the, the dude's little sister. Uh, uh, Tuan. Yeah, Tuan. Um, it, it, yeah, that came at a real good. I think it's just a real good insertion into that genre. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll hit more on that part here in a little bit. That something else about this, about this time frame, you know, games were that way as well. A lot of the war type games coming out, POW, the, I think it was called POW, the escape, or is it just POW? Yeah. Something there like was, that. there was metal gear. There were things of that nature. I bet you, I know somebody though, who knows a little bit about some, uh, older games in that time frame i you you might just he maybe maybe and I, I you know he's not here with us at this moment but what i would like to do however is put out there a little bit of information about mr scott left which is site that he has that i think you guys would enjoy if you get a chance to get your way up to north carolina so let's know what you think How would you like to time travel back to the 1980s? Well, now you can, thanks to this 80s-themed Airbnb located in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Your stay includes a massive 80s arcade museum, which is the largest private collection of Golden Age 80s arcade games on the East Coast. Your room is filled with vintage 80s collectibles, plus you'll have access to every game console ever made from the beginning to the CD platforms. There's a VHS library, an 80s stereo stocked with 80s vinyl, and the list goes on and on. It's an 80s paradise. For a direct link to the 80s themed Airbnb, visit longlivethe80s.com. Your quest awaits. All right. Now, Travis, we got to get there one of these days, man. I swear. We keep we keep saying this every week. We're going to get there one of these days. And we, if there was just enough time to get there, I can think of about 10 video games off the top of my head that my name is going on first place. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. And the bad thing is he's only about four hours up the road from me. Dude, if he was four hours up the road from me, I would have already been there two or three times by now. Right. As it is for me, it's about an easy probably eight to ten. Yeah, that's a good little hunt there. But one of these days, Scott, one of these days, man, I'm going to get in touch with you. I'm going to be up there for sure. Who knows? Maybe I'll even take a shot at his arcade uh, game show they have as well. well hey, there you know. go. I mean, that, that might be some fun stuff right there. A chance to win a stand-up arcade game from it. So when you go check out their place online there, make sure you look at also contacting him about his game show they got going as well. He'll tell you all about it. You might get a chance to be on there and get some fun winnings. Uh, to go back toward the movie here now, what I was going to say a while ago, when you transition from the humor to the the kind of drama aspect of it, uh, he's made, basically he made friends with Twan, but he, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, it's kind of like, it was, he was really, he was really it, it inverted. Yeah. He was going for the sister. He really wanted to get with the sister mm-hmm. and she didn't want nothing to do with him that way. But she tells him, you know, be friends with her brother. That's fine. Her, not fine. You know, Vietnamese women, not for soldiers or something like that. She was telling him. Yeah. And so he gets to know the the boy more and better. Uh, and then he starts taking over that class and he's doing the English with the people. He start, he's really starting to take to the people. Right. And you can see he sincerely um, likes the people there. Not just keeping the troops entertained and the morale up and making them laugh. He likes with the local people, teaching them English, keeping them laughing, you know, just being around them and everything, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And then he comes to find out later that the boy that he had befriended uh, is helping the Viet Cong and everything. He's, he's, he's the reason why the, the, the club got bombed and people got killed and people got hurt. Uh, he's known by a different name mm-hmm. uh, also other than that. And, he's now feeling betrayed and hurt by it. You know, the one person he reached, reached out and befriended ends up being the enemy. And still, even in that part, he manages to get a little bit of humor in because he yells out, this is not going to look good on a resume. You know? Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. <clears throat> that was, uh, it, that, that was the whole thing too, was, you know, it was, it, he felt like he was used too. And it kind of ruined 
ruined everything. You know what I mean? And and he hurt innocent people. And yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty deep betrayal there. Well, it'd be enough to make anybody mad. I mean, and that's definitely one thing you don't want is to befriend somebody, think that you're you're good with each other, you feel real close with them, just to find out that you know they got in with you so they could work their way in easily to cause some damage and harm, and it's on you at that point. So he's right. very lucky from the you know from the way it's played out in the movie, he's very lucky that he didn't just get you know dishonorably discharged or charged himself as an accessory or something. But correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, what was his name? Dickman? Is that mm-hmm. what I said? Or um, yeah, that's the that's the sergeant major. Sergeant major. Uh, sergeant major Dickerson. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he not purposely send him and Garlic into a territory that was they known to be occupied? Yeah, he was on the phone with homeboy, and he was like, "Are you sure? You, like this is a this is not a demilitarized or it's a hostile or whatever." And they said, "Yeah, this is Charlie Active." So it was, or yeah, that was Viet Cong territory. And he sends and, and them he, knowingly. He recommended, yeah, he knew for sure what he was doing. Yeah, that I, I I thought that was low down at that point. Uh, I, yeah, I he figured they get killed. Like he just basically right. murdered them. You know, and, and, and he he it's because he wanted Cronauer gone. He never wanted him there to begin with. He didn't like him being there. He told him when he come back after being rescued finally, Cronauer uh, is there, and Dickerson is telling him he's being sent somewhere else. Uh, this is where you know he lets him know that Twan is who he was and everything and what mm-hmm. he did. And um, so Cronauer looks at me, asks me, he says, why are you, he goes, why are you doing this? Why did you do this? Yeah. And he tells him, because I don't like you. I don't like your ways. I don't like your programming. I don't like, you know, what you represent and all this other stuff. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he wanted it back like it was. So it sounds to me like he was willing to send him and another one of his own men to their death just to get it back like it was without going through any other kind of, you know, red tape or anything you know just yeah which is kind of and i'd for completely forgotten this is that when i watched this movie this weekend i haven't seen you know this movie in at least two years mm-hmm. probably at least two years and i saw it and it was on tv last i saw it so i mean i, I was probably in and out of the room watching it not mm-hmm. paying close attention just trying to keep you know occupied for a while or something but i was like man i was like of all the things to do to your own people you purposely send them into a place that is live at that time in hostile knowing they probably won't come back and then they end up coming back. But yeah. And, and you know what I mean? It's like art imitates life. And i tell people all the time, you know, it's like you see things in movies and that's that, you know, life ain't like it is in the movies. You know, it's like Tasha and I just watched a documentary thing last night about, I, f- I wish I could remember the name of it. It's like, it's like lover stalker killer or something. And that's what I told her, like this woman, oh my God, you, I'm not even going to go into all of it. It's just, it's crazy. It's on Netflix. And when the, when the movie, when the show went off, I looked at her and I said, and that is the perfect example, example of the phrase stranger than fiction, you know? So this stuff, that kind of thing happened in abundance. You know what I mean? One of Murphy's law is friendly fire. Isn't, you know what I mean? No. <laughs> There's no such thing. No. No, not at all. Um, do you remember what it was he tells uh, Sergeant Major on his way out the door? I do. That was that not one I of the do. funny? The first time you watched it was that not one of the funniest things you would have probably ever. Oh, especially heard? at like, especially at like eleven years old. Yes, like, and then the general. And then after the general tells him he's been transferred himself, he's like, "Wait, what? what where am I being sent to?" He said, "You're going to Guam." He goes. There's nothing going on in Guam, you know, and all this. He goes, right. I'm being sent there. And he, he, he pretty much tells him, you know, he, something about, son, I just, you know, I don't like you. You know, not only did you do, you do yeah. this, you do this on purpose, but you, you're just mean, son. You know what I'm saying? You're just Yeah, and mean. Then, he, then he turned around and repeated what Adrian said. He goes, yeah, oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not going to tell you what they said. Well, we want you to watch the movie. We want you to right. watch the movie. As a matter of fact, I'm 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 gonna issue a challenge right now to anybody listening to this. If you haven't seen it in a while, if you have forgotten what it is, Adrian Cronauer tells the sergeant major on his way out the door, or if you even do remember, message me on Instagram when I put this out, 
and let me know what it was he said. Yeah. I want to hear from you guys and see what you thought about it and everything. Heck yeah. Yeah, it was so, great. I mean, this so, movie, I, I think it was, I, I think this movie will, I, you know what? Honestly, I think nearly any thing that Robin Williams has done will age magnificently. You can go back and watch this. I think you could take darn near any of his movies, go back and watch it a hundred years later and it's still going to be good. Oh yeah. Well, it, the, you know what I mean? If you don't like everybody needs to make a Robin Williams list and before, you know what I mean? Like, like the hundred books you need to, everybody should read before they die. It's like Robin Williams filmography is something that everyone should do before they die. Yeah. And, and he's, he's humor. He's pure humor and humor is never going to die out really. Um, there was a there was a funny story. I saw a video earlier today. Um, Kevin Pollock, I think, is the guy's name. He's the one who does the voices, right? Yeah. From a, he got from a few good men. Uh, Kevin Pollock is talking to Ed O'Neill, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Did you did you hear about Robin being on uh, the equivalent of the Tonight Show in Germany mm-hmm. a bunch of years uh, a bunch of years ago?" And he's like, "No, no." He goes, uh, he, "He goes on there and." They're asking him about humor, and he's and and he's like, uh, "Why the, the the lady on the show asks, why is it you don't you think nobody funny comes out of Germany?" And she's they, they, apparently Robin Williams has shot back just as quick. Said, "Well, don't you think you killed most of the funny ones off?" Right, and, right. And yeah. then and then it went to commercial really fast, and they come back from commercial, and he's no longer there. He's <laughs> <laughs> like he's like he spoke up really quick. You know um, what, too, though? We're overlooking Forrest Whitaker in, in this movie, too, though. Forrest Whitaker is another one that I think he, I think he's overlooked in, in his body of work as well. And as an actor, is. Forrest is one of the most amazing actors that we've ever that we've seen. I, and mean, I was about, I was about to bring him up to you here in just a minute. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. On Let's just jump on into him for a minute here. What all what all he's done. I mean, he's got a great body of work himself of movies he's put out. So, yeah. I mean. It's no doubt that you know he's he's great at what he does. Um, yeah. Not only has he done, you know, as far as like you know, humorous and funny movies and serious movies, he's also in something that we have near and dear to us in the Star Wars universe. He's a part oh, yeah. of the Star Wars universe. Yes, sir. And I don't know if a lot of people know this or not. He was uh, in the basically Rogue One's what he was in. It was you know the, the yeah. prequel to A New Hope. Right. He was Saw Gerrera. And he's also in um, uh, uh, the video game that's got, um, uh, what is it, Fallen Order, I think it is. It's got uh, Cal Kestis, played by the dude that played in uh, Gotham Knights. He played Jerome, or the Joker, pretty much. Now, it's a video game, you said? A video yeah. or or a movie based on a video game? No, it's a video game. I video I, I, game, okay. I would flip out if they gave Cal Kestis a movie. I would love that. I think the entire Star Wars fandom would love that, or at least the gamers would. I'm not entirely sure. I know that game. Yes, there's two of them. Cal Kestis. It's, it's Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi, Jedi Fallen Order Two. I think. Oh, okay. So that was just his name in the game then. Or That's that the main like, protagonist's name. He still plays Saul in it. He's still the same character he was in Rogue One. Okay, okay. I but the main name. character is Cal Kestis. Cal, so Cal Kestis is basically a lower-level Jedi, and he's been in hiding uh, since uh, Order... Uh, oh, Lord. I'm Order 66. Myself, myself a Star Wars fan? Yeah. Order 66. Uh, yeah, since Order 66, and then he comes out and starts helping the Rebellion and all after that. But yeah, no, nah, man, I remember... So I didn't watch it when I was young, but I know, I know uh, the crying game is like hugely referenced. You know what I mean? That he was in. Do you remember the first movie he was in? The very first movie or the first movie, I guess you've seen him in. Uh, I would say the first one I would remember would probably be platoon. Right. The first, the first, the first movie I've seen him in was Fast Time at Ridgemont High, nineteen eighty-two. Oh, he was in there, wasn't he? Yeah, he was Charles. Yeah. He was on the football team. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. right. But now I saw Fast Times after I saw because I'm telling you now, boy. As soon as Platoon came out on video, we was watching it. 
I, I've seen Platoon probably, God Almighty, in the eighties when I was growing up with my dad, I seen Platoon. Yeah, he was in he was in Vision. He was in Vision Quest also. Okay. The uh, Color of Money. We got like oh man, said, everything Bloodsport. All Bloodsport. He was one of the two guys that were sent to go bring Frank Dukes back. Yeah. God, that 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 was the movie right after Good Morning Vietnam. He did. Yeah, man. And he was Jody in the Crying Game. I watched it since I grew up. You know, after I grew up, of course. Uh, he was the Doctor in Body Snatcher. He was great and Blown Away. Um, I mean, dude, he was Mad Dog in Jason's Lyric. Like he's been in so much. Of course, you can't you can't forget uh Ghost Dog. Either way, of Samurai Ghost Dog. Uh, have you seen Battlefield Earth? He was in that as well. Which was yeah, Battlefield I, Earth was awesome. He was. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a movie I saw him in that I thought was a really good movie, and his character was really good in it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the movie with um John Travolta. Um. Battlefield Earth, wasn't it? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's I mean, that the, was with that was with John Travolta. Uh, yeah, he was in there. He's the main bad some, guy. But this one is where John Travolta has some kind of a light he sees hit him, and suddenly he becomes super smart on everything. And uh, gosh, really? I'm trying, I don't I'm trying that to one. find. I'm trying to find the name of it for you right now. I'm sorry, I should have already had the name of it on my mind before I brought it up. I think my favorite thing I've ever seen him in would probably though would uh would have to be the last king of scotland where he played Edie. i'm in i don't think i've seen that you should well, watch know, that That's was he it was not what what he in uh in black panther also hey forest yeah uh, it seems like he may not. Mm, I, no, I don't remember him in Black Panther. Like it could be like a small part, but I mean, I, I was thinking he was in it. Maybe. Yeah, he was Zuri. How can I not remember him from that? Huh? He was in the remake of Roots too, though. I know that. Uh huh. He narrated. Yes. Like, he's done so much stuff, dude. He was in Zulu, like just. Everything, but if you hadn't seen if phenomenon, hadn't seen... oh, I'm I remember sorry. that. Didn't I... mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. It just hit me. I was like, phenomenon. Yeah, and I remember that. And if I say if I yell phenomenon, do not start going do 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 phenomenon. Okay, okay. Let's just stop. Let's stop now. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, that's the that oh, was the running that was a running joke when Phenomenon came out. I'm gonna the tell you what else he was in. That even though it's a good movie, it made me mad because it 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 ripped off a, a, a musical that should have had way more attention than it had. He was in Repo Man as Jake. It was him and yep. uh, Jude Law in Repo yep. Men. So Repo right. Men is based. They can say it ain't. I'm gonna call them liars. Repo Men is based off of an of, of a musical called Repo, a genetic opera. And if you hadn't watched this, even if you don't like musicals, if you like anything like Sweeney Todd or something like that, you need to watch Repo. Repo is incredible. It's so good, and it's basically the exact same premise, just very, very, very different. Wasn't there another movie called Repo Men? Like, like back in the 80s or something? Probably. I swear it seems like there was. Uh, that, that name, that I, I know the movie you're talking about. I know of that one. Mm-hmm. Seems like I remember another one that, had, that was called Repo Man. It might have had uh, Emilio Estevez in it or something. I, I might be wrong. I know what you're talking about. Okay, I, say, I might be wrong. I'm not sure. That might be Men at Work. I tell you what. Well, I remember Men at Work, but I, I, I tell you who I... You know what I'm going to do? What's that? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, we're going to find out. We're going to reach out to a friend of the show. I bet he'll know. I got the feeling that he is going to know what it is. So let's just, you know what? Let's just let him tell us about his show, and then I'll reach out to him afterwards to see if he knows or something. All How right, about let's do that? that. Let's yeah, do that. All right, here we go. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to an 80s flick flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? 
does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our first-time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go. 80s Flicks Flashback. You know, he was on. He didn't tell me he was going to do this. Shame on you, Tim. Shame on you. Didn't tell me he was going to be the fan spotlight on Buzz in the Tower last week or the week before when they did Ferris Bueller. And I'm listening to their episode on Ferris Bueller. And at the end of it, they're saying, well, let's talk to a friend of the show, you know, Tim Williams. I'm like, Tim Williams, that sounds familiar. Then I hear him say 80s flick flashback. And I'm like, didn't tell me he was going on there. Thanks a lot, man. I I could have been looking out for him and waiting for it. And I could have recommended people listen to him. Yep. That's all right, Tim. I see how you're going to be, man. I see how you're going to be. It's cool. That's all right. Well, well, I want to show show for us one last piece of love, though. We were talking about The Last King of Scotland. So this is based on a book. Yeah, and the um, the things that the EDI men and the things about EDI men are speculated truths. Uh, mainly, mostly, the only fake part about that, or the only fictional part about that, is the main character of the movie, which is the interviewer or the reporter or whatever you want, the journalist, is that, that he's made up. But the craziness that's in there, his love of Scotland, like EDI men wore a, a daggum kilt. Like also all the craziest that was going on was actually reported, you know, to be pretty factual about EDI men. And the movie is absolutely phenomenal. So I would recommend it to anyone. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Stop it. See what you did. See what you did when you did that, man. You just, (laughs) it's like you struck a nerve just like that. Hey, did you know that Robin Williams ad libbed? Which is not a surprise. Ad libbed all of Cronauer's broadcasts that he had done over there. It's not, not like he. That. It's not like he got tapes and listened to them and did them word for word. He ad libbed it what he wanted to be with his own humor, which is obviously what he's going to do because he, it is what he it is what it is for him. The it, it this script went through several revisions after it was originally drafted mm-hmm. uh, by Adrian Cronauer in '79. Cronauer um, first pitched it as a TV series. Then he pitched it as a movie of the week. It was the latter treatment that landed it in the lap of Robin Williams, it says, who realized the DJ role will be the perfect outlet for his brand of comedy. So the original treatment by Cronauer was completely retooled for Williams, which is what you were talking about earlier, how Robin Williams had changed everything um, Mm -hmm. to do what he wanted and all. Right. Um, It says Robin Williams' portrayal of Adrian Cronauer has led to confusion as to the beliefs of the real Cronauer, Cronauer has said the film is about 45% accurate, according to a biography on Robin Williams. He's also said the uh, film misrepresented to him to make him seem anti-war. I didn't he, feel like that, though. Even there, even I didn't on, either. I, I didn't never either. felt like that. I never felt like Adrian was anti-war, though. Well, I mean, yeah. Robin Williams' portrayal of it didn't give me the feeling he was anti-war. He yeah. gave me the feeling like he understands why they're there, but... He's there to, to for the troops. He's there yeah. for them. He's not there to say we shouldn't be at war or nothing. But this is what the original, you know, the actual Cronauer feels, that he misrepresented him to make him seem like he was all anti-war when he was, in his own words, anti-stupidity, is what he yeah. says. It says, in fact, Cronauer later became a lawyer and died in 2018, became an active Republican, and was a vice chairman of the 04 Bush-Cheney re-election campaign. Oh, how about that? Yeah, how about that? Furthermore, Cronauer has also said that if he'd done half the things Williams did in the film, he'd been court-martialed and sent to Fort Leavenworth, and that's probably true. Uh, that that could be true based on, because in the movies you get away with a whole lot, right? So the right. things, though, when, when he read the news, he shouldn't be reading, right? That yeah. probably would have got him a lot of trouble. But all it oh, did yeah. was uh, all it did was get him off the air for a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, and then you put him back on because people were. Yeah, that was liable to have on. been a court martial in real life, you know? Well, right, right. Uh, and then, you know, st- they've probably put people in Leavenworth for less, truth be known. I like that Bruno Kirby said in an interview that he enjoyed working on this film more than any others in his career. He, he also said he could never tell a fan that because all they wanted to hear that he was proudest of the Godfather 2. And another wild thing too, another wild thing too about Vietnam yes, was, was no Beatles songs were played because at that time, the copyrights to their songs had not been released for use in, or I'm sorry, not in Vietnam in the, in the, uh, in the movie, uh, their songs had not been released for use in movies or any other media outlet. And this was the, also came also the case with the film pirate radio, uh, the DJs worshiped the Beatles and talked about them often, but they could not play their songs. So I wonder too, though, I wonder if that was during the time too, because film pirate radio was the actual radio station depicted. That was the actual radio station like depicted in the movie. That may have been true for Vietnam. That might be something I want to go look at a little deeper. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Do a little research on that one. Yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, do you, do you read the part about, uh, Hannah, Hannah, the Wicked Witch of the North. <laughs> he was yeah, I thought about. that was pretty. That was pretty uh, comical. That's a good anecdote right there. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a thing. Heck yeah! Did and I would bring you? it. Look, look, I, I would bring it up further, but I can't pronounce the person's name. <laughs> Who Hannah, right. Hannah was supposed to be a stage name adopted by? I have no idea what how to pronounce that name. I'm not even going to butcher it. Heck we'll just yeah. leave. We'll just leave it at that. Say it was a. Uh, it was a DJ. It was a female broadcaster who was made famous on both sides of the war for her thrice daily North Vietnamese English language propaganda broadcast. It says, right? Yeah, I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was kind of remarkable, but that it, this was the fourth highest grossing film of 1987, making 123 million in the U.S. alone. I didn't know that about it at the time. No, uh, Barry Levinson. That was the director, wasn't it? Um, yes, he was the one that wouldn't let the two meet. He wouldn't let Robin and uh, Adrian Cronauer meet because he was afraid that it may, uh, even even if subliminally, it might alter Robin's character of of Adrian in the movie. Right, right. And I don't think you'd want that. You want him to be what he's going to be in the movie and not treat it differently at that point. Uh, and, and that's probably the best for anybody playing anyone, getting their idea of what their character's like and just portraying it as they would not trying to be exactly like them. I think if you're trying to be exactly like them, you're not going to get the best of yourself out of it anyway. Right. No and doubt. That so, was, what was your favorite part of the movie? Man, you, I don't, I don't think I, this is one of the few movies that I really can't, I don't think I can pick a favorite part of it. Cause it's just, there's so much humor in it. Um, if you held a gun to my hair head, it would say the interactions with Jimmy uh, with Jimmy um, at the bar, at the beer yeah. at the bar. Right. I would say that that's the, that's the funniest to me. Um, you know the part where he takes him out and he's and he's talking to him about trust. You don't trust me. If you was friend, you want me to trust you, but you don't trust me. Yes. And, like, and like then he ate the soup and it was like super spicy hot. <laughs> But I don't know, man. There's just so much. There's so much good in this movie too. I, I got. I don't know that I could. I don't know that I could. I think well, if it's for me, yeah. if it's for me, I'm going with the with the dramatic part when he when he finds out uh, what Twan has done and he sees him. He 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 goes and talks to the sister and lets her know. You know, mm-hmm. I need to find him. They the army knows about him. If they see him, they're going to kill him. And he you calls know, him and, by his terrorist name. He right when he. Running. Yeah, and when he when he finally catches up to him, and they have that moment. Mm-hmm. And he's telling him, you know, I was your friend, and you betrayed me, and all this stuff, and blah blah, this and that. And then the kid is saying, you know, what's this? You know, what's real? What's not? You know, his mom is dead, his brother's dead, his neighbors are dead. Yeah, you know, and all this other stuff. He's he's throwing it out there. What's going on through their eyes as well? It's not just what the U.S. soldiers are seeing while they're there. This is what the the locals are having to go through because. Some of the, you know, a, a lot of the soldiers that were there, as you saw, didn't like being around any of the Vietnamese, whether it was uh, North Vietnamese, South Vietnamese, or whatever. They wanted nothing to do with any of them. They didn't want them in the bar. They didn't mm-hmm. want them around their their area, period. And so there's going to be some prejudices against them. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's a load. And then when he when he when they're exposing that scene right there, I thought that was a just kind of like like a powerful scene, I should say. It's not funny. It's not too over dramatic, but it hits right on the spot, and you see what for a moment of uh, what it's like going on there at that point in the eyes of that kid because yeah he's being looked for now the others have been killed on the spot they see him he's next but this is the reason why he did what he did because your people are killing my people too you know we don't want you here but yet you're here why are you here it was a funny movie though are you there travis yeah, I think I hit a mute button on accident. Yeah, I think you accidentally hit your mute button. Leave it to <laughs> Travis. Leave I got it a to little... Travis. So here comes a fit. <laughs> That's what I was muting for. Travis has a little bit of a, the sinuses, a little bit of the crud going on this week. He's trying to fight off here. Yeah, I got a cold and I hit that button so I wouldn't blow your eardrum out and then that gun didn't hit it back. <laughs> oh, it was, it, was, it was funny. You guys can't see what I'm seeing, obviously, right now, but... Uh, I, I told him earlier, I said, well, if you're going to cough, you know, so make sure you hit that mute button. Don't blow my ears out over here and everything. So a couple of times he's had to have done it. Well, this time I'm, when I'm done talking about that scene of the, the whole drama bit a while ago, he's just talking to me and I'm like, I don't hear a word you're saying. <laughs> What's going on over there? Are you messing with me? I don't read lips. <laughs> right. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, oh. to, to, to say to repeat what I was trying to say though is is yeah it's 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 cool to me too how, like I, and like I was saying before with Rob, all Robin Williams movies he's able to balance that comedy with some with some drama with some hard hitting topics with low key stuff like I mean it wasn't it wouldn't it was low key to me then but when I see it now it's like glaring like okay they've been censoring and withholding information from us as, as a people, as a nation, our own government for a long, long time. You know what I mean? Like since mm -hmm. our inception, really, but it was really cool to see how they, they interjected a lot of that and kept this as a, they present it to you and plant seeds with the lightheartedness of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. it's easier to digest that way. I oh, think. You're right. You're right. Well, we're looking at that time, Travis. We're actually on an hour. Uh, this was this movie was too good to do in forty five minutes. So, so yeah. we uh, we've actually hit the hour mark. So we need to go ahead and start wrapping things up. Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, we thank you for tuning in and listening to us. If you are a person following the show, we thank you so much more. Mm -hmm. And please continue listening with us. Spread the word. Share us with your friends and family. Did I say friends and framery? Friends. friends <laughs> friends and family please share us with your friends and family right i have to speak in this voice not to mess friends up and family I guess. but family is a thing though family is a that's friends I, I guess, that you consider family oh there you go i didn't mess up after all then so yeah, i just man, did all that share with your family too did those voices for nothing didn't i yeah, no nah, we like them we're talking about robin williams you gotta do a few voices i guess you do in a way don't you did uh which which reminds me i love it when he did um elmer fudd they oh, had the elmer fudd bit in there go to youtube anybody listening go to youtube and look up robin williams singing as elmer fudd on what, the bruce spring thing yes. <laughs> oh my god oh my. Uh, put a little bit closer <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious man oh jesus all right so we're on spotify we're on itunes we are out there somewhere on google and amazon we're anywhere where you find your favorite podcast at so be sure to uh, go and give us a follow, give us a like, uh, leave us a review on Spotify. You can leave a five-star review on there. And if you're on iTunes, you can leave us some uh, kind words or not so kind words. But, hey, leave us some words. Uh, that way, iTunes knows you're listening, and it helps give us a little boost up there, and we're recognized a little bit more. And more people are going to find us then. So that would be a huge, huge help. Uh, you can email us here to show at uh, retro life for you at gmail.com. And if you want to listen on the website, not on one of your uh, players, like on your phone or anything like that, you can go to <laughs> www.retrolife, the number four, the letter u.com and listen to us directly on the web browser there. So uh, Travis. Yeah, man. Might you have anything you want to leave us with this week, or should we just say uh, 
something uh, that's our favorite thing, like our favorite words in the movie or something. You, you get a no, joke no, I got, I got something I'd leave us with. I got something I'd leave us with, and I'm going to restructure something that I remember Robin Williams talking about, kind of a joke uh, that was just hilarious to me, one of kind of like a one-liner. And um, I know, and I'll probably do, I'll do something like this probably with every episode that I ever shoot that involves Robin Williams. Because as I said before, Robin Williams' passing was the only, in my life, the only celebrity passing that really hit me in the chest, you know. And uh, I think that if if Robin Williams made it to heaven, then I will too. And uh, if he got sent to hell, then I'm surely going there. So wherever I pick up and I meet Robin in the next life, when I walk up and I pull up that chair, I'm going to look down. I'm going to look at Robin and I'm going to look at that chair and like, you know what he's thinking, right? Here comes another asshole. <laughs> <laughs>